with older kids, with tweens and teens, what we generally see is the want to is pretty connected to social connection. Because remember, anxiety gets in the way of social connection. It might be that I want to be able to hang out with my friends. I want to be able to go to a sleepover. I want to be able to babysit. I want to be able to. There's an already sort of a built-in incentive. For younger kids, that may not be the case. So, for example, your six-year-old has been sleeping in your bed with you, and everybody's been super cozy, and it's been great, but now it's time for him to go. He doesn't think that's such a good idea. So when you say to him, hey, you know what? At the end of the summer, we're going to have you start sleeping in your own bed or sleeping in your own room. He's like, well, why? Because this arrangement really works well for me. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about how to manage those tricky emotions that show up in all families. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to do and what to say. Lynn, what's the best moment you've experienced yet this summer? Okay, so I probably would have to pick two. Well, oh my gosh, there's been so many. So my mom's 80th birthday party and watching the video that we made was so funny. Like I was just howling with laughter. That was like 40 moments, so that was great. I went on a hike with my pal. We went up Mount Jefferson in New Hampshire, which is one of the mountains in the presidential range, and I hadn't seen her for a while. And I mean, the mountain was in a cloud and it was windy and blowy. It was hot at the bottom and cold at the top. It was like the DLT of hiking. Some of you won't know that reference. And so that was really great to be with my friend. And then I was just at my son's college graduation. I had two graduations this summer because one was regularly scheduled. The other was postponed for two years. So we just had his graduation. I sat in the sun. It was 95 degrees. I was really, really hot. But the ceremony was great. It was so wonderful to see him, seeing all these pals. I got to spend time with my best college pal. And I don't know, do you know the, the band Darling Side? I do not. Okay. Well, they're really good. And you should tell my brother to listen to them because I think their music would be just up his alley if he's not familiar. And if I forget, he'll just hear this in the podcast. Right. So listen to Darling Side, but they are graduates of the college that I went to, and they came back as a special treat for the class of 2020, and they performed at the graduation. And I love them. And so that was really great, too. That's awesome. My mom's birthday, hiking with my pal, and being at my son's graduation, sitting in the heat, listening to a great band. The thing that all of those have in common, all of them were incredibly emotional in all different ways. Right. I was feeling all the feels. I was feeling all the feels. Yeah. What about you? I think it's pretty tough to top the family gathering for the 4th of July and your your mom's 80th birthday. I mean, I would say that was definitely my best. Yeah. And the boat parade. You were on the boat. I was not on the boat. Oh. I'm landlocked on the boat parade. I help organize our theme and the costumes yeah. and all of that stuff. I don't participate in the in the boat parade much anymore. I can't sing. And we always have the family members who can mm -hmm. sing go on the boat. But you can't really sing either, right? 
I can promote singing. I can get everybody to sing. I was just laughing, thinking and a little distracted that what if we didn't text other family members anymore, but we just told them our messages through the podcast and they would listen to it. Hey, listen to <laughs> Darling's side. Or like, what if we just had all of these family messages that they'd have to listen to? Because we know our family does listen. Yes. Well, and I would also say a great moment. I'm actually here with my kids and friends down in Orlando while we're attending some events. And it's great to be here. And I was actually working on our retreat that's happening at the end of September. And I will just say that if you have been thinking about it, the deadline is Monday, August 1st, in order to get a discounted room at the Four Seasons. And we have gotten incredible rates for the weekend with practically $1,000 a night off. I think it's like the number one rated resort in North America. It always wins that award. Wow. And it earns it. It's just like the greatest pool, lazy river, everything. But then also hanging out and celebrating joy. Finding joy inside and out is the theme. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about that fifth puzzle piece, that fifth anxiety disruptor Mm -hmm. that you talk about in your book, Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. So we're number five of seven. What is number five? Number five is you got to have a want to. You got to know what you want. And the reason this puzzle piece is so important is remember is that when kids are anxious, when kids are worried, when kids are fearful, it's really hard to get them to move forward. Because in the moment, every part of their body, their imagination, sometimes like at a cellular level practically, their body is saying, nope, 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 nope. A very common question that I get that I get asked a lot, and what we really work on when I'm working with families, is how do we get kids to step into something that they don't want to step into? And our last puzzle piece, remember we talked about, well, I don't know if it was the last one, but the one where we're talking about getting on offense, that was sort of how do we get kids to be on offense and move in instead of being on defense? And then almost like clockwork, the next question that comes up is, well, how do I get them to do that? So we had this puzzle piece because the importance of somehow incentivizing your kids to move into what can be pretty challenging at first is really, really important as we're helping activate them. Because remember, anxiety is about passivity, avoidance, nope, not doing it, stuck. So this is how do we get them going? Would this be a good time for you to do a quick recap? Yeah. The first puzzle piece that we talked about was that we are going to expect worry. We're going to expect it to show up. Remember, as I'm talking about this, that all of the puzzle pieces are about stepping in and they are all the opposite of elimination. Every puzzle piece is sort of movement forward instead of retreat back, movement forward. So we're going to expect it to show up. Hello, worry. We knew we were going to show up. Why are you going to show up, Worry? Because it's normal, because our brains are designed that way, because you have a good imagination. Then we're going to externalize it, and we're going to talk to it. Remember, it's not necessarily talk back to it, because we're not trying to get rid of it, but we're going to open a conversation with Worry. We're going to name it. We're going to say, hi, Hilga. Hi, Sally. Hi, Pete. We're going to have a conversation with it. We're going to personify it. We're going to be able to sort of pull it out, have a look at it, create that distance. We're trying to normalize, normalize, normalize. 
Because what's the opposite of what I teach is we have to get rid of, get rid of, get rid of. Not doing that. Stepping in. Now, the third puzzle piece, we're going to be uncomfortable and unsure on purpose. Why? Because it's the opposite of worry. Worry wants to be certain and comfortable. So we're going to find some ways on purpose. We're going to make it a mental game so that you step in and we're going to expect that you're going to feel uncomfortable. We're going to expect that you're going to feel anxious and we're not going to focus on being calm, being relaxed. We're going to focus on energizing this system to move forward. And then the next puzzle piece is breathe. We talked about breathing as a way to help reset the nervous system. It's a way to get your feet back under you so you can do the moving in. So if you're having somatic symptoms, if you've got a kid who's got tummy aches or feeling sick or feeling overwhelmed physically, great way to reset, get that prefrontal cortex back online. And then we come to number five, which is you got to have a want to. You got to know what you want. Very simply, that's just saying we want kids to have skin in the game. They got to have skin in the game. Sometimes that's easy. Let's say you've got a 12-year-old who's really worrying about going off and doing things on her own, but man, she is dying to take horseback riding lessons, or she is dying to be able to go to the fair with her group of friends. And so she's got an incentive. She's got something that she's looking forward to doing, and we can talk about worry as getting in the way of what you want. If we can set it up that way, enormously helpful. Let's hear more of that after we come back from our break. I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free option that is really great. So I think that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. Eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV, hydration multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? 
you shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance, so literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. Okay, Lynn, what were you saying? With older kids, with tweens and teens, what we generally see is the want to is pretty connected to social connection. Because remember, anxiety gets in the way of social connection. It might be that I want to be able to hang out with my friends. I want to be able to go to a sleepover. I want to be able to babysit. I want to be able to. There's an already sort of a built in incentive. For younger kids, that may not be the case. So, for example, your six-year-old has been sleeping in your bed with you and everybody's been super cozy and it's been great, but now it's time for him to go. He doesn't think that's such a good idea. So when you say to him, hey, you know what? At the end of the summer, we're going to have you start sleeping in your own bed or sleeping in your own room. He's like, well, why? Because this arrangement really works well for me, right? This is so cozy. Why would I not want to stay with you two? We've got to give him some sort of incentive to get out of the bed. If we are talking to little kids, sometimes just the idea that we're going to help your worry not be so powerful isn't enough. With older kids, sometimes, oftentimes that's enough. Little kids, not enough. What do you say to the little boy who's like, why would I want to leave this warm, cozy bed with the people I feel most secure with? Because you're like, because we want to have sex. No, you can say that. Um, <laughs> when two people love each other very much, yeah, I mean, uh, and that is one of the reasons actually why you want your kids out of your bed. But you can say to them, well, we know that it's been really cozy for you in here, and we know that it's nice family time, but part of you growing and learning. And part of you becoming who you're going to be and being able to step into things also means that you get to have your own space in your own bed. And it really is something that's going to come in handy as you get older. Then, now they say, well, okay, so that doesn't really sound very good to me. 
I really like it here in this bed. It's super cozy. How about if I just, you know, I'll just sleep on the floor. If you don't want me in the bed, I'll just sleep on the floor. Then you might have to step in with some rewards. When I talk about rewarding kids, my husband always says, um, just say that you're bribing them. (laughs) Just call it what it is. Let me lay out the difference for you between what I would see as sort of a bad bribe and a helpful reward that's a part of this process. I love. I thought you were going to say a bad bribe and a good bribe, but you were like, ooh, the euphemism, a helpful reward. That's a better term, a more helpful reward. Say I've got a family that's coming to see me and the child really doesn't like to come to see me. He is grumpy about coming. He sometimes doesn't even get out of the car when they get here. And the parents say, if you go in to talk to Lynn, then we will go and get an ice cream cone when you're done. But you have to go in and talk to Lynn and you have to participate or there's no ice cream for you. The child agrees begrudgingly to come in. And now there is going to be a debate throughout the session of whether or not the child is participating enough, how long they have to stay, if they leave and come back. So it just becomes this debate about whether or not you've earned your bribe. I also don't want to be a source of punishment for kids, of course. So if you don't talk to Lynn, then we won't get you ice cream. That's sort of where bribery sort of falls apart. Here's the other way you want to talk about it. I will say to a kid who comes to see me, and maybe we're trying to set up, they're going to play this game, right? They're going to go upstairs by themselves because they're afraid of going upstairs in their house when it's dark. Or they're going to get on the school bus when school starts. Or they're going to go to their swimming lesson and get into the water. Whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do. I'm talking about separation in a lot of these situations. Then we set up a little game. And the game is if you can practice or every time you practice stepping into something that makes worry show up, you're going to earn a little something. And sometimes it's from me. And sometimes other clinicians are like, you shouldn't do that. Here's the thing. I always tell kids why I'm rewarding them. And I will say, in order for your worry to get less powerful, you're going to have to do something that feels really difficult. You're going to have to do the opposite of what worry wants. And if in the back of your little brain, there's a little tiny voice that says, if you do this, little will give you a Tootsie Roll. I'm going to take that. I need to get some momentum going. So I say, I tell them just that it's hard for you to do this. And also, I'm not going to do this for the rest of your life or if the parents are doing it. We're not going to be your Tootsie Roll suppliers for the rest of your life. This is a short-term plan because I need to have you do what you need to do in order to prove to yourself that you can handle your worry. So I got to give them some traction. I got to give them some traction. It's short-term. It's small. If somebody says, if you get on the school bus, I'll buy you a kitten or I'll get a pony, right? It's not that. It's small. It's little things. It can be one Tootsie Roll. It can be a Jolly Rancher. It can be a colored pencil. It can be time. It can be, you know, I'll sit in color with you, something like that. You want to make it short term. You want to explain clearly why you're doing it. You want to directly connect it to the fact that they're building the skill of stepping into their worry. And then for those of you clinicians that are listening out there, you want to make sure you follow through. You want to make sure when they come back, one of the first things you ask them is, how did it go? What did you earn? Or if you're going to give the prize, make sure you have it. 
and do a little celebration of them being able to earn these things because it was a way to help you step into the worry and to develop your confidence and to begin to see that worry isn't as powerful as you thought it was going to be. And never in a row. That's the other rule too. I never reward in a row. So I wouldn't say if you can sleep in your own bed for five nights in a row, or if you can get on the school bus for a week in a row, then you get this prize. It should be short-term, frequent rewards. It's okay if they don't do it. You don't go back and start at the beginning. If it takes them 10 days to sleep in their bed for five nights, so be it. But you make it playful. The thing about these kinds of rewards and the things about uh, developing this want to, it's not going to last for long. People are going to get bored with it. It's going to wear off. It's a very short-term way to sort of kickstart this thing and get that momentum going. Why don't you ever do them in a row where you say, I want you to achieve six nights in your own bed? They're all gung-ho, right? So first night goes great. Second night, yeehaw, oh my gosh. Third night, woohoo, we're doing it. Fourth night, oh my gosh, right? We're almost going to get to the Lego set. Fifth night, something happens, who knows what it is, and things go kaput. If it's in a row, as you get closer to the prize, the pressure builds. Everybody's feeling like, oh, we got to do it. We're almost there. And with that pressure, oftentimes it backfires and then they can't handle it. Or there's just some bad luck, right? Like they had a tummy ache or they had a mosquito in their room or they couldn't fall asleep or, or, or. When they work that hard, they work so hard on day one and two and three and four. And then on day five, it doesn't go so well. And you say, oh, well, I guess you have to start over again, right? All that hard work that you did, that doesn't count. We got to go back to the beginning. You'll lose them. It'll piss them off. It just is too much pressure for kids to expect they're going to do it in a way for, for those days in a row. Yeah, it backfires all the time. What you want to do is you want to have a conversation. If it's with your tween or your teen, you can say, look, we know that anxiety, we know that your worry is really getting in the way of a really important part of you, right? That friendly part, that caring part. Maybe you want to volunteer at the animal shelter. Maybe you want to participate in some sort of school activity. So let's think of a way that we can just play around with this. Be very direct with them, right? Let's think of a way that we can play around with this. Maybe doing this is incentive enough, but let's just play around with it. I like what you said. I'm rewarding you for the hard work you're doing. Mm -hmm. The opposite of anxiety. This is tough stuff. And when you work hard and take some risks and get uncomfortable, I'm rewarding that. Yeah. Yep. Because what you're saying is I'm noticing how much you're working on this. Right. And you're rewarding them addressing the process and not the content. Correct. Yeah. You're not rewarding the outcome, right? It feels like we're rewarding the outcome sometimes, but what you're really doing is you're almost rewarding the family's commitment to working together to not let the anxiety be so powerful. Mm. The other reason why I I reward is because it makes it fun. And as we know, anxiety is very anti-fun. Anxiety is not into play or silliness. You could even have it if you're thinking, okay, what would be a reward? You could say the reward will be that dad or I will go to Dunkin' Donuts to get our morning coffee wearing a silly wig. And you get to watch from the car. 
right? So it's just playful and silliness. So any way that you can be creative with that and any way that you can take away the seriousness of this thing and the threat of this thing is really helpful. It really works well. Let's talk a little bit more about silliness after this break. Okay. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good, and Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, Think Like a Boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Okay, so now back to the show. Lynn, I love that you bring up silliness in this context because I'm just really all in about the power of silliness and thinking about that in my own family life and the role that it plays. And there's really room for silliness in every way that we parent. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. When we're talking about anxiety, remember, anxiety and worry, they're all about imagining bad things happening. 
how do you enjoy silliness? How do you enjoy your family? How do you create these wonderful moments of connection and joy when worry is there to say, yeah, but mm, what about this? So the more that you show that to your kids and the more that you demonstrate to them that worry is going to show up, that worry is going to want to take over, but we're not playing. Worry, we're not playing. We're playing a different game. We're not playing your game. You know, having this want to, it's really two very important things. One is that we want to help kids keep the eye on the prize because we want them to recognize and I want parents to recognize how worry is so good at taking things away, right? I mean, I've said this before, worry does not care if your kid goes to school, if they try out for baseball, if they get their driver's license, if they get a part-time job, right? Worry doesn't care. So when we have a want to, it really helps kids, particularly older kids, think about and articulate what it is that their worry is getting in the way of and how they're going to amplify these other parts of themselves. Because remember, anxiety is a predictor of depression in teens because of the social impact it often has. With younger kids and with older kids too, we really are modeling for them and showing them that there's a way to deal with struggle and problems and there's a way to deal with obstacles without getting so distraught and feeling overwhelmed and feeling defeated. That like, all right, let's figure this out. If worry's going to come in here and say we can't do that, then we're going to figure something else out. It changes the whole tone, right? I'm so much about changing the emotional tone in anxious families because they're missing out on all of this silliness and this playfulness because the worry is so pervasive. And it's sucking the joy out of the room. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's very nature. The very nature of it is that we have to be concerned about this. We have to pay attention. What danger lurks around the next corner? All of what I talk about is really how do we do the opposite of what worry demands? How do we make sure that worry and anxiety don't get in the way of life's joy and connection and playfulness and adventure and risk and failure and all those other things? So this is just a way to sort of keep some skin in the game, so to speak, and to make it playful. The other thing too is that sometimes with a family, if you've got younger kids and they're not into it at all. So say the, you know, the goal is to get on the school bus or the goal is to go to swimming lessons and the younger kid is like, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care if I learn how to swim, right? Or no, I like sleeping in this bed or I don't care if blah, blah, blah. Then you can talk about having a family goal. So you can say the family goal is that everyone learns how to swim because that's such an important skill to have. Or the family goal is that at night, people can go into their own beds and get a good night's sleep and blah, 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 blah. If you've got a kid who's like, no, thanks, I'm not playing the game, you can talk about a family goal and see if you can get them to participate, but you can do it without them too, is another thing to think about. Yeah. But you just want to, you just want to have fun with it. Little kids, they come in and I've made a deal with them that if they step into their worry, they keep track of it. They will walk in and, and maybe I'll say, I'm going to, I'll give you a Tootsie Roll for every time you do it. I make sure I get my big bag of Tootsie Rolls and they come in and they slam that little piece of paper down on my desk and they're like, pay up, Missy. And they've done it 18 times and I count out the 18 Tootsie Rolls. This is me saying to them, I had confidence that you could do this. I'm helping you by being playful with this. 
the Tootsie Roll isn't really the thing that I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on what you did to get the Tootsie Roll. And I am so proud of your ability to step into this. And the Tootsie Roll is just a little perk. And I like Tootsie Rolls too. Again, sometimes people say, oh, you shouldn't give kids candy. You don't have to give, you can give them marbles. I have a whole big bowl of marbles in my office. They can pick out these cool marbles. I have super balls, colored pencils, whatever you feel comfortable with. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but this is about changing the emotional tone. You're going to make it short term. You're going to be really clear about why you're doing it, never in a row. And you're going to make sure that you as a family are inserting some playful and silliness with this so that we're changing and shifting out of this worried culture. On the uh, topic of silliness, have you seen the young woman? I mean, it's gone viral. I think she was on Jimmy Fallon the other night who is trying to teach people about her farm and her emu Emmanuel keeps pecking at her camera. I have seen this in my Twitter feed, but I've never I've never been able to click play and hear it. I mean, it's just charming because she's just so delightful and the animals are so silly and she's just got such a funny way of talking and yelling at her emu. So if you haven't watched her, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering her name, but her emu's name is Emmanuel. And I think there's another one named Ellen. Yeah. So it's really just cute and fun. I can put that in the show notes because I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cute. If you haven't seen it, it's like the Ted Lasso of farm animals. So join our Facebook community so you can ask Lynn a question and connect with our listeners. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Flusterclux. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.